0: Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick on VC Confidential.
1: Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ian Kennedy and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outline's venture group, Jillian Music. Together we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We're having a grand time ripping the opaque lid off the world of venture capital to show you how it works <laughs> and sometimes doesn't. <laughs> Hi, Julian. what's on your mind today? Uh, actually, the cost of doing
2: business Anne. the cost of doing business.
1: Really? Which business?
2: Our business. Uh, you know, the cost of running a venture capital firm. So recently, the federal government's been taking a look at some tax advantages offered to venture capitalists over the past decades, and they've got an eye on making sure that the wealthiest citizen pay their fair share of taxes. So this is just one of the places they're looking. I'd say let's dig in a bit to, you know, as we talk about the cost of operating a conventional venture capital fund, and that would include the cost to investors, you know, the LP, Uh, to venture partners, to managing directors, general partners, everybody.
1: Good idea. Lately, I've been thinking of our work here at VC Confidential like this. We have a warehouse full of shelves. There are a lot of sealed boxes on the shelves, and each week we pull out a box and rip its lid off. So (laughs) I've pulled out this box labeled costs of running a VC fund. Let's rip the lid off this. Where should we start?
2: Well, let's start with the usual and customary costs. There's a thing called two and 20, and that's the usual and customary price that LPs pay when they invest in a fund.
1: Oh, I love this, Jillian. You've got all kinds of tribal speak language in there. I'm going to translate that into English right now. First off, the two and 20 that stands for 2% and 20%. 2% refers to the annual costs of managing a fund. Loosely, you can think of it as the salary paid to the GP.
2: Uh, Hold it, wait, 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 GP, that means general partner okay so just in case you haven't listened to our earlier shows folks who are listening in today a gp a general partner is a company that's hired by a fund to manage that fund the fund managers are not employees of the venture capital fund the fund contracts with a gp company and the gp company contracts with the fund managers so fund managers may have different titles on their business cards including fund manager you know that's not too cryptic managing director managing partners even, and it's a slight misnomer, as we've just explained, general partner.
1: So a GP, general partner, to a fund is not a person. It's an entity that manages the daily operations of a venture capital fund. In our case at the master's fund, the GP is Outlines Venture Management Services. That's the company you and I formed as a limited partnership. We are the members of that limited liability company. Outlines Venture Management Services contracts you and me to run a fund for the Sibilla Masters Fund LP, which we've branded Masters Fund. Clear?
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's exactly right. So why would you do all of that? Why would you just not have employees in a single fund? Well, sometimes because a single fund manager could manage numerous funds, uh, you know, fund one, fund two, one, three, you know, fund three coming to mind, but there's more uh, reasons why you would do that. So now let's talk about this thing called two and 20. That's the usual and customary prices that these LPs, limited partners pay. Okay. Now the 2% Refers to the annual fee that's paid to a GP. That's the entity we just mentioned. It's generally assessed on the full capital under management. Sometimes a GP might assess only 2% of the capital that's already been called.
1: Hold it. Called capital means the capital that the LPs, the limited partners, have already put into the fund. It's the money that is in the bank account of the venture capital fund or invested in a portfolio company or two or three of the fund.
2: That's right. That's right. So the GP company sends an invoice to the fund. The bill is paid either quarterly or semi-annually, even annually, uh, for the life of the fund or it may be invoiced only for 10 years, which is the usual lifetime of a fund. And if the fund needs to be extended because, you know, returns haven't all yet come back into this fund, no further management fees are charged past that 10-year mark while everybody waits for the sale or the IPO of those last companies to come in. Now, some fund managers charge 2% per annum on the entire sum in the early years. And then once the active investment period is over, and I'm pleased to say I have not heard AIP, by the way, active (laughs) investment period, I haven't. (laughs) But maybe it exists. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway,
1: once you just said it,
2: (laughs) right? Oh, God, don't don't make that a new one, right? (laughs) More tribal speak. Anyway, once the active investment period is over, that's usually three to four years, then the fee for managing the fund for the balance of its active life drops to about 1%. Sometimes that happens
1: you can see that there are numerous ways in which funds are charged for the management of the fund. The usual and customary 2% is just that. We know a fund in which fund managers charge a 5% per annum fee and their LPs have no problem with that because they are seeing good net returns. Yes, that's true. Let's continue. Here's an example of a usual and customary 2% fee structure. Let's say a fund is a $100 million venture capital capital fund. The GP sends an invoice for 2% of 100 million each year so long as the fund is in operation. Most funds are 10 year funds. So that would be 2% each year for 10 years or 20% of the invested capital. That's a lot of money that the managing directors won't be investing.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, in your example, that'll be twenty million bucks paid to a general partner in the first company, uh, you know, to manage the fund. I mean, that's that's impracticality. It, it's just uh, not actually a very common occurrence. Wait, right? wait.
1: It's usual and customary, and yet it's not actually always the way things go down? Yeah, right. So
2: if there's one thing we've learned in this world of
1: venture capital, it's that nothing is straightforward and simple.
2: Nothing, right? Here are some of the nuances that can help to resolve this issue of the cost of running a fund. Now, I mean, 20% not being invested over time makes it that much harder to return a solid ROI to investors. I mean, fund managers need every dime they've got to invest and bring in a solid ROI. So some managers charge a 2% fee, but they don't invoice or collect on that fee until the fund returns ROI. In other words, in the first years, the fund managers don't receive anything at all for their efforts. And when the fund returns, uh, you know, gets money on good investments, when that money comes in, that's uh, when the uh, fund managers will invoice and then they're paid their 2%. And other managers accept, uh, you know, just elect only to collect that 2% at the close of the fund some 10 years or more down the road they take it from the returns they don't take it from the invested capital so there's a difference there that enables the fund managers to invest every dollar that the lps put in hold fund. it hold it
1: hold it that means limited partners folks the investors <laughs> in <a several laughs> sorry funders, limited partners okay okay
2: and if a fund manager agrees to be paid by the fund management 2% AUM fee. Now bear with me, and you could define that in a moment. If a fund manager agrees to receive that 2% of AUM 10 years down the road, it means the manager gets to invest every dollar now and has a better chance of returning this tidy I- ROI to the fund at the end of the game.
1: Okay, I bit my tongue. AUM means assets under management and this means the sum of capital that the LPs yep limited partners have invested in the fund assets under management folks AUM oh and ROI stands for return on investment while I'm at it
2: yep thanks and keep those definitions coming cuz this is incredible tribal speak and when we hear uh other venture part uh, you know other venture capitalists rather talking about These things, it kind of drives me crazy, and I'm one of them. It still drives me crazy. So I just keep remembering how it literally kept you and me out of the gate here. You know, we had to learn this stuff in order to engage, and we still don't know the half of it. So now, if you're running a hundred million dollar fund, a two percent management fee equals two million bucks over the course of 10 years or 200,000 per annum. So let's say there are two fund managers that's a hundred thousand per manager per year. That's not a king's ransom. Any qualified manager can earn a whole lot more doing other work. Clearly, this is not the financial reason why people do this kind of work.
1: There are some other issues we should discuss about this 2%, Jillian. As a fund manager of a $100 million VC fund, chances are you have other means to support yourself. But for emerging managers electing to push off receiving the 2% annual management can, fee can be a challenge. Yeah, a one million dollar emerging VC fund, for example, generates a two hundred thousand dollar fee to the GP, which in turn pays the fund managers two hundred thousand over ten years or twenty. Thousand per year, and that's not even going to put ramen noodles on the dinner table for a single fund manager, let alone two fund managers. No qualified fund manager would work that hard for twenty thousand a year. Elizabeth Ian, our very favorite, um, writes very good articles about being a conventional venture capital. She points out that many fund managers have to put money into the operations of fund rather than receive cash for their services in the early years. Certainly, we've done that, Jillian.
2: Yes, uh, there were legal costs to set up the fund, costs of raising the capital for the fund, the initial documentation, the legal filings, uh, accounting costs, there were more. There are a lot of expenses which have not yet been reimbursed in our very own fund, and we have an intention that they will be reimbursed. But how that happens is what we're talking about today, the real cost of running a fund.
1: And with that, we have to take a break now for our sponsors. We'll be right back with some insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up.
3: That's podcast.wmr.fm.
0: Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on wmr.fm.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. I am Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Today, we're talking about the cost of running a venture capital firm. We began our discussion with the concept of the 2N20. 2% of assets under management is the annual compensation fee paid to a general partner, a company that engages the managing directors of the fund. Now, that brings us to the 20% of the 2 and N20 you mentioned at the outset today. The 20% refers to a results-based fee paid to the GP, again, the general partner firm. And that 20% is called the carry. Chances are you've heard that term before, carry. Carry is a calculation of carried interest. Generally, when the fund receives a payout, a return on investment made by the fund, we call that the gross returns. Now we're gonna discuss what happens in a conventional venture capital firm in which the fund invests cash in a company in exchange for stock and other considerations, and then waits until the company sells or holds an IPO to receive an ROI, right? Return on investment. Let's say a fund manager makes an investment of $100,000 in a company. And when the company sells, the return is $1 million. Excellent. We see 10x gross ROI here. Now, Jillian, what happens to this money next? How is everything calculated and distributed?
2: choices, and we've got choices. So for today, let's assume that the following choices have been made, right? And by the way, so noted in the operating agreement of the fund. That will be important, and that's where you'll find this information, uh, those of you who are investors. Now, the fund managers say they've elected to receive their 2% fees from the return on investment on every deal. They're not going to wait till the end of the fund, that wind down time, right, to receive that 2% per year the managers have also elected to forward returns from each deal to the investors without waiting until the end of the fund. In other words, the managers will not retain those winnings, if you will, this return on investment. They will re- and, and they could do that, by the way, and they could reinvest it in order to help increase the final returns on investment at the end of the fund. These guys have said, nope, we're just going to send it on to our investors. So We're spoiled for choice on so many levels. In this case, the total returns are a million bucks. Nice. From this sum, we deduct the invested capital. That would have been that $100,000 that the fund put into the company to begin with. So our adjusted gross sum is now $900,000. Fund managers are not paid a 20% carry on the invested capital, only on returns. Okay, from the 900,000, which the fund received in, right, let's say just for talking purposes, I don't know, year five, so the fund is still operating. This is an early return. So again, nice going fund managers. Now we deduct five years worth of the 2% management fee, which will be paid to the general partner company. Now, let's assume that the total assets under management in this example fund is 10 million bucks. That would be 2% of a $10 million fund, 200,000 bucks a year times five years, that equals a million bucks.
1: Oops. The payout on this investment was 1 million. After deducting the invested capital of 100,000, there's only 900,000 left. Not looking so good now. The investors, the limited partners, will get nothing from this deal. That's some really bad optics.
2: That's right. So how about if this fund were only a million bucks? And the fund manager made, say, a $100,000 investment, same thing, yielded a million-dollar payout, same thing, but now it's looking better because it's a million-buck fund, right? Things look a lot better, actually. 2% of a million bucks is only 20,000 bucks times five years, 100,000 bucks. In this case, we deduct the five years of GP fees of 100,000 bucks from the adjusted gross of 900, now we're at 800,000.
1: Okay, that's better. Now there's something to divvy up.
2: Yeah, but not yet. We deducted the five years of general partner fees. So the fund has just five more years uh, to pay up whatever, you know, f- when future deals pay off. Uh, but we have not taken into account the costs of running the fund.
1: Wait, 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 wait a minute. We took out the 2%. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the sum we just told our listeners they could think of as the salary paid to the general partner, if you will, that pays it to the managing directors of the fund, you know, the fund managers. That's for their work but that's it right there are more costs we've mentioned some of them already there's legal fees the cost of writing the initial fund documents that's a pretty penny sometimes it's 10 sometimes over 100,000 just for those documents to put the fund together right then there's the investment document templates every time you make an investment in a company depending on what you're doing you need those templates that's another 10 or 20 grand and that's not uncommon uh, every deal needs to be reviewed by an attorney that could be anywhere from i don't know 5 to 35 or even 100 more right it depends on the size and the complexity of the deal right often this fee that's the you know reviewing that particular document for that particular investment that might be borne by the portfolio company but not always sometimes some of that cost is borne by the fund and then there are accountants to be paid monthly and annual filings to the government and an auditor is paid annually and most vc funds have fancy offices that they rent they've got receptions and analysts and researchers and entrepreneurs and residents and of course there are the venture partners.
1: Oh, yes. The venture partners need to be paid, too. We'll get to that later in the show, right, Jillian? Uh, yes, or we may have to have an entire show all about it. Let's see how it goes, all right? Now, let's take a look
2: at these additional expenses of operating a fund. A GP is the salary, if you will, paid to the fund managers. There are other costs of operation called pass-through expenses. These expenses are paid by the limited partners of the fund. So let's assume in our example that the pass-through costs are another 100000 bucks in lease. Legal, right we're just keeping round numbers and the whole way through that's legal accounting filing anything else you want to cover over the five years now with that in mind let's recap where we are gross returns on this deal were one million invested capital on this deal was 100,000 right the sum to be paid to the general partner company for managing this $1 million dollar fund to date over five years is
1: two percent of one million per year which equals twenty thousand dollar per year for five years equals $100,000.
2: Right. So $1 million less $100K for the GP fees, $100K for invested capital leaves us with $800K. And now we deduct the pass-through expenses of
1: the fund, another $100K. That's not very much, actually. I mean, that would be merely $20,000 a year to operate a fund. You can't really rent an office for that money. This (laughs) fund looks frugal, probably working out of their home offices.
2: That's right. It's a small fund. To only a million bucks right so let's deduct that last hundred thousand and we have seven hundred thousand left
1: now we get to divvy this money up right jillian yes Whew. the first 20 percent is the
2: carry that we've been talking about. 20% of 700,000 is 140,000. That goes to the general partner as well for doing a good job of making a good investment. That's the part of the compensation that is, if you will, aligned with the funds investors. The balance of the 80% of the 700,000 in adjusted gross returns, which equals 560,000, that's 80% of that 700K, that's divvied up among the LPs, the funds investors known as
1: limited partners ahem ahem what about the venture partners venture partners what do they get (laughs) well in most funds even in some of the world's largest
2: funds venture partners get a share of the general partners carry so that 20 percent that went to the general partner they don't keep all of it they share that with their venture partners
1: okay then that's
2: better Okay. So in our final section, coming right up, let's take a look at how fund managers sometimes optimize how they receive the fees that we've been talking about. And that's through a concept called fee waivers.
1: And also why uh, Congress is so interested in this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We'll talk management fee waiver clauses later.
1: (laughs) Yep. And with that, we're going to take another break for our sponsors. We'll be right back with more insights into the world of venture capital on vc confidential
0: more ways you can source capital for your company's growth on vc confidential is coming up
3: Rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent
0: authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.fm.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. Today we're talking about the real cost of running a VC fund. We just talked at length about fund managers electing to defer their annual 2% or sometimes higher fees for running a fund. Let's dig a little deeper into how and why fund managers do that.
2: Yeah. So just before the break, I talked about this thing called a management fee waiver clause it's for private equity funds and other kinds of funds by the way it includes venture capital funds so as noted in a very fine article on this subject by the way at lexis.com let's put that link in our uh, LinkedIn page and you so bet folks can find it okay a fee waiver agreement allows fund managers to waive receipt of management fees and I'm quoting receipt of management fees in exchange for special allocations which receive more favorable tax payments or tax treatment, sorry. okay.
1: So So what's the backstory on that, Jillian? Fund managers are not giving away their management work for free, and they apparently are not just deferring their fees because, as you noted, it gives them an opportunity to invest more of LP's money into deals during the course of the fund, although that is an advantage as well. In reality, fund managers are actually changing how they receive their management fees so it will be taxed at an advantageous rate. We know why fund managers would employ a management fee waiver. It is tax advantaged, which translates into less cash paid in taxes. Ergo, more net cash to them. Nothing illegal in optimizing one's taxes so long as it is reducing tax liability Um, as opposed to full on tax evasion. But explain how this works.
2: Okay, folks, take a deep breath, here we
1: go. Seriously. We're going
2: to crunch into this. Private equity funds come in many varieties. One of them is a venture capital fund. One or more people, like you and I, can form a fund by registering the fund with the appropriate government authorities. Now, generally, funds are formed as limited partnerships. Individual or institutional investors and or rather invest their capital into that fund. They sign documents in which they agree to the terms and conditions of being a member of the fund, and now they've become limited partners of that limited partnership called the fund.
1: People invest capital and agree to the terms of the fund, thereby becoming limited partners in the fund. Okay, Jillian, we got it.
2: Good. The fund hires a general partner. That's usually the limited liability company. And we've mentioned that before, right? It's composed of people who founded the fund, you and me, right? The people who work for the general partner LLC do the work of managing the fund, and they're called managing directors of the fund.
1: As the members of the GP entity, managing directors receive a share of the management fees, and these fees are generally issued quarterly or semi-annually. The sum is treated as ordinary income of the fund managers for their individual tax liabilities. However, such compensation may be waived in exchange for management profits interest, Another one Uh, with Mm -hmm. receipt deferred for three years or more. When a fund manager elects to take the management fee in this manner, the result is that more cash received under this deferred plan is treated as long-term capital gains for tax purposes. The use of a management fee waiver does not increase the amount investors pay for the management fee. Neither does it have any adverse tax impact on the investors. So in that sense, it does no harm. However, it creates the possibility that the the fund manager will receive more or less, maybe, compensation than the fund manager would have received if the waiver were not put in place. In other words, instead of taking a 2% fee and a 20% carry, all the comp- compensation is result-based compensation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. That's the, that 2% fee that represents hard cash, right? The MPI, this management profits interest vehicle, right? That's something that managing directors can elect at the outset of the fund is what we're talking about here. The sums these managing directors would have paid as fees, well, oh, excuse me, would have been paid as fees, right, is actually used to make an investment in the fund. So instead of receiving a check for their work, they receive money that goes as an investment in the fund in their name. Let's say the managing directors run a $100 million fund. The rule of thumb is that managers of funds put in 1% of their own capital. Yeah, That's right,
1: Jillian, skin in the game, as it were exactly so in this
2: case the fund managers can elect not to be paid the two percent fee but to apply some or maybe even all of their fees of the into that uh, capital fund right so now they're invested in the fund they've taken the you know taken care of a few stones there are a few birds with one stone they have their one percent at a minimum and maybe more into the fund already and get it the fees are not treated as ordinary income anymore
1: brilliant. Here's an example. Two fund managers manage a $100 million fund. They are to be paid a total of 2% on that $100 million every year for 10 years, the standard fund time, um, length of time of funds alive. That's a total of $2 million over 10 years or $20 million. That's a chunk of change at ordinary income tax treatment, that $1 million per year, per manager, that's going to be taxed at a pretty high percentage rate. Indeed,
2: it will. So instead of receiving a million bucks in hard cash, let's say the fund managers take a million bucks per year, 10 million over uh, 10 years, right? And they leave that capital in the fund to be invested. Now they've put their 1% in. That's cool. It's important to understand that the money has, however, changed hands. Here's an example. Joanne manages a 100 million buck fund. She puts in place this management profits interest agreement for a hundred percent of her management fees, the whole 2%. That means she's not going to receive 20 million bucks over 10 years in ordinary income for her work, right? That's the highest tax rate salary. Okay? Instead, the money will remain in the fund to be invested. But and here's the big deal, folks, that money is Joanne's money. It's her investment in the fund. If the fund makes good investments and there are good returns, she may receive a whole lot more than that $20 million at the end of the fund. If the fund does not make good uh, return on investments uh, and so on, well, Joanne's one of the investors in that fund. She might receive less than the $20 million that she put in. But it's her money, like all investors. And now it's at risk.
1: The good thing is that this kind of compensation, whether it's part of the 2% fee compensation that is elected and treated this way or all of it, aligns the fortunes of the managing directors with the limited partner investors. The slippery slope bit is that someone is monkeying with how they receive what is essentially a salary and paying much lower taxes on that sum.
2: Yes, that's the rub, folks. Joanne did receive that money for her work. She didn't invest just any capital in that fund. She was paid for her work. And she elected to invest that payment into the fund, right? Congress is now asking, after more than 75 years of venture capital preferential tax treatment, uh, should Joanne pay ordinary income tax on that $20 million bucks before she invests it in the fund that she manages? Or should she be able to invest that capital without ever taking possession of it, if you will? essentially rolling it over from a fee to be received into an investment without ever landing that money in her checking account. Now, that's the big question.
1: Indeed, it is. And now we've ripped the lid off yet another dark corner of Betcher Capital and indeed other private equity funds and how managers optimize their income. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of that shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR. FM, who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 46th episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. Till next week.